is In My Shoes, a podcast for women of color, where we talk about the issues we face every day. And I am your host, Karen Davis-Thompson. And I want to start by saying Happy New Year to all of you. This is our first time on the mic in 2022. I wanted to uh, take some time to reflect today. So it's just going to be me and y'all. And to just give you an update on what's going to be happening in 2022. I'm going to talk about a topic that I hope helps a lot of women um, as I kind of unpack that today. But first... Ooh, 2021 cannot believe it is over. And um, I kind of feel like we're going to blink and January is going to be done um, before we know it. But I know that everybody was so excited, right? Do you remember New Year's Eve 2020? And it was like, oh, we're going to say goodbye to COVID in 2021. And it is interesting to see how we are in the same space in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously there are vaccines and now they're coming out with other things to try and combat it. But in terms of being able to get out there, I feel like we're going backwards with places having to do mandates outdoors and indoors again for masks. And um, it's just surreal. And so uh, I'm kind of worried about myself a little bit. The more time I spend hunkered down at home, I work from home, um, the less I want to go out. Uh, which isn't always a good thing. So forcing myself to get out more, I got a vision party that I'm going to be going to this weekend with my tribe. And I'm going to tell you about that a little bit as well. Um, so 2021, I don't think turned out the way any of us thought. Um, and for me and my baby girl, it was a rough year. She is still into 2022, not taking her meds. It's probably been three or four months now that she's been off of them and not really willing to take the help we're offering. Um, she wants to do her own thing. She wants to exert that independence. And while I think it's a good thing in some ways, I know that in a lot of ways she's not ready. Um, but it isn't up to me to decide. She's legally an adult. And all I can do is continue to pray, as I've said before, and be there for her when she's ready. Um, but live my life because I am um, entitled to that. And I hope that's something that all special needs moms know, especially of adult children, that uh, we can be there for them and do what we can, advocate when we can. Uh, but ultimately, um, they have to live with the choices that they make, especially when they're not willing to do the work, take the meds. You know, she's young, she's immature. She doesn't understand why she needs it. Um, even though we've discussed it, she's got people in her ear who don't really mean the best for her. Um, and I just got to wait that out. Um, and I've decided, especially in the last few weeks, that I'm really going to have to um, really stick to that because uh, here in 2022, I um, am going into surgery in about a week, maybe a little bit more, maybe a week and a half from when I am recording this. Um, wasn't really expecting it um, this soon, but not surprised that it's come to this. And in some ways, I wish that I had pushed for it to happen sooner. Um, and I'll speak to all of that so quickly. Uh, if you listen, you know a little bit of this backstory, but I have fibroids and endometriosis. Uh, I was the girl, like a lot of us, who had the heavy periods, um, the cramping that uh, sometimes would start days before my cycle would begin. Like I'd start cramping and then I'd check no sign of the period, right? And this went on for several days. Um, and the uh, solution was, oh, just start taking the medicine early. And I'm like, well, I could be taking pain medicine two weeks out of four then. Because sometimes this is like days before my cycle actually begins. Um, and as I got older and the pain got worse and then I got married and we wanted to um, start a family. And, you know, I had promised that I was going to give myself 365 days. And if I didn't get pregnant, oh, well, because I didn't really need that in my life necessarily. I was totally fine adopting. 
But I go to the doctor and I had about seven or eight fibroids that needed to be removed. No chance I would have been able to carry a child with all of that. And um, he put me on a drug called Lupron to reduce the size so that it would reduce the amount of blood loss. And I had those removed and I uh, thought, okay, you know, this is good. And then about a year or so later, did another sonogram and they were coming back. So in a few years, I would be back in the same spot. And I had to fight uh, to have the partial hysterectomy. I was 28, 27, somewhere in there, 28, when we started having this conversation. And I'd take my husband with me to decide whether or not I should be able to decide what to do with the pain that I'm dealing with my body (laughs) and have a hysterectomy. Um, And the thinking is, oh, you know, it impacts him too because it means you guys can't have children. And I'm thinking, really? Like, we haven't talked about this. I mean, at the end of the day, it's my body. It's my pain. It's what I'm going through. But even in, you know, this was in the uh, early 2000s. So we're not talking, you know, 1970, (laughs) right? We're talking about the 21st century (laughs) where I had to take my husband with me and say that he had to say he was okay with me uh, having a partial or hysterectomy. And so um, by the time I was 29, all that was taken care of and I was able to have the surgery. Um, I'd also had a couple of minor procedures, uh, a couple of laparoscopies where they kind of go in with the camera. And it is the only way that you can diagnose endometriosis. And so I was indeed diagnosed with that as well. And I was young and I didn't know. So I assumed that those two things uh, were connected And that once you dealt with the fibroids, it also would deal with the endometriosis, right? (laughs) Yeah, no. So I have the partial hysterectomy and I'm feeling decent for a while. And um, he had mentioned that uh, I did sign for him to do a removal of the ovaries if necessary. And he was so proud that he was able to save the ovaries. Uh, The one on the left was a little touch and go, but he was able to save it. He was so excited. And if I knew then what I know now, I probably would have... Uh, maybe said, hey, why don't we just do all of this, take it all. Uh, But obviously at my age, they would hesitate to do that. And so uh, when I started with, you know, lower back pain and some other stuff that was like indicative of what I was going through before, I thought, what is this? And so I go back into his office and I saw the nurse practitioner and she said, honey, you know, you're going to, this is going to be an issue for you. You have endometriosis. And I'm like, well, wait, so the partial hysterectomy didn't take care of that. She said, oh, sweetie, no, those are two separate things. So the fibroids were in the uterus, the endometriosis attacks the ovaries. So obviously as a woman, you produce hormones. Um, and every month you release the egg. Um, that's why you have your cycle. And then, you know, um, you know, the hormone production ebbs and flows, etc. So obviously I'm not having in the cycle anymore, but I'm still producing hormones, which aggravates the endometriosis and the scar tissue uh, builds up in the ovaries and often spills over into other organs as well. And uh, that led to 20 plus years of procedures. I think I've had at least three. Um, they've gone in to remove ovarian cysts to clean up scar tissue from the endometriosis. And, uh, the last time I had it done, the, um, incision got infected and each time we kept asking, you know, is this going to happen again? And it was like, oh, the hormone production is so important. And here we are now, um, 
every time I have a cyst, they get larger. So the ones I had removed in 2018, I had more than one and one was eight centimeters, which let me tell you that's big. Meanwhile, my, uh, I had one OBGYN when I started, he left and moved back home after Hurricane Katrina to help his family out and his mom who was wanting to stay there. And then I was referred to a woman who was a specialist in the field because my issues are not the norm. She performed several of the procedures I had to remove the cysts. And I promise you it was like clockwork every three or four years, I would have to have it. And so the last was in 2018. And um, she did that one and everybody's hope was that I would just go into menopause, right? Well, I don't know where I am in the cycle because I don't have a period. And, um, I start with my new OBGYN. I tell them about my history and lo and behold, they say, well, Hey, let's do a sonogram. You know, you're prone to cysts and they come to the office and they say, I know you say that you're prone to them. And well, you do have one on the left ovary. Remember I said the left ovary was the one that he had to work to salvage all those years ago. And she said it is 10.2 centimeters. That's really big. And of course, when they get that large, they want to remove them. So here we are. We're going to do this yet again. And I said, look, is there any way we can have a serious discussion of just removing my ovaries already? Like, you know, the older I get, I come out of the anesthesia. I'm like way nauseous. Um, You know, my body has had so many of them until it takes a little longer for me to heal. Like I'm over it. And so now they have finally agreed to do that. Uh, Some wonder why it wasn't done earlier, because the only cure for endometriosis is to remove the ovaries. Um, And what I hope will help some women today is two things. One, to pull the veil back so that we don't feel uncomfortable talking about periods, hysterectomies, infertility, etc. There is a stigma around talking about those things. A lot of times You know, it's like, oh, you know, people make fun if you they think you're moody. Are you on your period? You know, all of those jokes that you hear growing up. Um, And then there's this worry that somehow you're less of a person when you're not able to have children. Um, And endometriosis, from what I've understood and learned, and fibroids impact women of color at a much higher rate. And nobody can tell us why. I do encourage you, I mentioned it in our Facebook group, and I'll I'll leave information in the show notes about how you can join that group if you're interested. But Chanel Jones, who is a reporter with uh, the Today Show, did a documentary where she talked about this uh, secret, you know, um, and, and she talks about the fact that this is something that we don't discuss in communities of color and that she's had friends who have been dealing with uh, endometriosis, infertility, for years and unable to have children some of them have had miscarriages and they just feel like you know they just get up and go about their day like nothing and um she did this documentary where they took a look at uh, more from the infertility lens but still talking about the uh, endometriosis the fibroids and she calls it stories we tell the fertility secret And there's a doctor on there who talks about the fact that it does impact women of color at a larger rate. And nobody knows why. And in her uh, estimation, it's because it's women of color, right? So since we're the ones dealing with it, it's not a big enough deal in the mainstream to care. Uh, But there has to be a reason. What is it 
that we are prone to them. Remember, I told you I had eight fibroids and they were a pretty significant size when I had them removed. Um, and so I want to encourage women not to be uncomfortable talking about this topic with their doctors, with each other, because nine chances out of 10, uh, you know, somebody who has dealt with the issue. If you know me, I'm, I'm the one that, you know, and I'm willing to bet that if you talk to some of your girlfriends, that you're going to find that several of them are dealing with it. There may be some of you listening to this who are suffering. And so that's the first thing. Don't be afraid to talk about it, um, to discuss how it makes you feel, um, to talk about what you're going through. You know, we as women, we just soldier on and it's like, well, your cycle is just one of those things you have. And so suck it up. And I did that for years. I mean, I went to work in the most excruciating pain. Um, there were days when I may have had to call and say, hey, not feeling the best, but I'm, I'm going to be there. And I soldiered on. I, I got my heat pad and took me some Tylenol and sucked it up and went to work. Um, fatigued in a lot of pain, back pain, cramping, just excruciating. And didn't really say, so I'm just a little under the weather. And not that you want to walk around saying, oh, it's my cycle. That's not what I mean. But don't be afraid to take that sick day if you need to take it. You know, you almost you feel like I'm just going to take a sick day because it's my cycle. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it, it can be a lot worse than uh, you realize. And, you know, take that time if you need it. Don't be afraid to talk to your doctor. And don't be afraid to do what I wish I had done, which was to push harder, to dig deeper. You know, I just took my doctors at their word. It was better for me to keep these ovaries, even though they were causing excruciating pain. They were requiring surgeries every three to four years. Uh, I just I just dealt with it because I, that's what they told me, that the hormone production was more important than anything. I didn't question it. I didn't get a second opinion. I didn't say, look, I, I really think we need to talk about um, removal or something else. This isn't working like every few years. This is what we're going to do and just pray that eventually I'll go into menopause and then we don't have to do it anymore. Like that's no way to live. And I didn't do that. I just trusted what they were telling me. And I went with it. And every few years I would soldier up, suck it up and have this doggone procedure. Um, and this time I just thought, you know, I'm tired of this. Um, and I pushed and I didn't have to push much with this particular doctor. She felt like it should have been done some time ago, um, which is maybe what I would have learned had I gone out for that second opinion. There is no law that says you can only see one doctor in a particular field. Um, there are lots of GYNs and I'm not saying you want to go to somebody who's just going to say what you want to hear. But if you can present your history and they say, hey, I think there is a case for you to have them removed, um, at least you have the information and then you can discuss it with your family, pray about it, whatever it is you feel you need to do to make a decision. But there's nothing wrong with seeking another opinion. And it doesn't mean that you're looking for somebody to amen what you want to do. It just means that uh, you want to get more information. Don't be afraid to do a little research. I have a girlfriend in my accountability group. Shout out to my accountability group. Love y'all. And she says that, and she's in the medical field. It's the practice of medicine. Um, and they don't always know everything. It isn't as absolute and black and white as 
we may all think it is. And just because this doctor says, well, this is what we ought to do, doesn't mean that that's what we ought to do. Um, and so I wish that back then I had said, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to get a second opinion. This is like, you know, I could see the first one. Okay, you got some cysts. We're going to remove them. The second one, maybe we need to say, okay, we're going to monitor this. And th- by the third, like really, how many times are we going to go in and do this before we say, hey, we may need to look at something else. Obviously, this isn't working. She's prone to cysts. She has endometriosis and a pretty severe case of it. In her case, we may need to look at a hysterectomy and then hormone replacement if she needs it. And I wish that I had pressed, but I did what a lot of us do. Um, You know, this was my doctor. Obviously, she went to school for this. And what do I know? Right. And so I just said, okay. Even when I didn't agree, even when my, my husband was asking, my mom would ask like, okay, so how many more times is she going to have to do this? And, um, I wish that I had done a little bit more research on my own. Like I said, in the beginning, I was really green. I, I didn't know any better. I mean, I had no idea that endometriosis and fibroids were separate issues. And, um, again, I just went with what they, okay, this is going to take care of the problem. Great. And then as time went on, I'm like, what is going on here? So I hope that the second thing I can do by having this conversation is to encourage you to ask questions, to not think that that opinion is the one you have to accept. I mean, think about it. How many times do you watch these crime shows and the defense has their expert who says one thing and the prosecution has their expert that says something else? And they're both experts in the same field, but their conclusions are not the same. Right. So two doctors may not come to the same conclusion and there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, this is what I'm being told. I'd like to know if you concur with that and then take all of what they tell you, take all that information and then figure out what you think is the best thing for you to do. Um, And so those are the two things I want us to take away from that one. Don't be afraid to discuss it. Um, And all of those things are linked endometriosis, fibroids. If you listen to that documentary, a lot of those women struggled with one or both of those things and it impacted their ability to have children and um, really made them feel less than. And they suffered in silence the same way I suffered in silence. Now, I wasn't hurt about not being able to have children because my doctor was very frank with me. Um, after I had the fibroids removed, he was very excited. And he said, you have a small window to get pregnant. And I told the man to close the window. (laughs) Um, my son was like eight months old. I didn't do this to try to have a baby. I did it because the pain was just getting on my, it was too much. Um, but in the state I was in, and there was still no guarantee. And I would have had to have a C-section. He just didn't paint a rosy picture of this thing. And so I chose to continue on my adoption journey and to adopt um, our daughter as well. But for many women, it is, um, it's very difficult to deal with and much less talk about. And so we just get up and go about our day uh, when we really need to stop and take some time out to deal with how that makes us feel um, that the pain, you know, emotionally, physically that it is causing for us. Um, and so, you know, I'm a little nervous. I, you know, nobody likes to have surgery. 
Um, at this point, not only are we dealing with the scarring from the endometriosis, but just the scarring from multiple surgeries. Um, my belly button, they can't even, I mean, I was like, my God, if y'all, because typically when they do the removal of the cyst, they go in through my belly button. You, there's just no way you're going to be able to do it. There is no way. So, um, you know, I have incisions on either side, um, on my, um, abdomen. Um, they may have to more, do more, uh, intensive cutting once they get in and see uh, what they are dealing with. Um, I don't know all the terminology, but I know when the hospital called to confirm the surgery and she started naming all the stuff I was having done, I almost told her, wait, what are you sure that's my chart you're looking at? Um, because, you know, there's some fusing with the scarring. Um, so it's going to take, I don't know how complicated it's going to be. And so um, I'm a little nervous. So y'all pray for me. I'll keep you updated on that. Um, I'll be talking about it some um, in the Color Confessions group. And again, I'll, I'll um, put in the show notes how you can get there. Um, it's just a group for women of color. We have a couple of brothers who join us, but um, it's really women of color. Um, and we're just talking about what's going on. You know, I post interesting articles that I see. We stimulate some discussion. Um, I posted information about um, Chanel Jones's documentary, and I'll also include that in the show notes. And again, I do encourage you to watch that. Um, and so those are the things I hope you take away um, from what I'm experiencing. Um, I am forcing myself to get out because as I said, I'm in fear that I'll be become a hermit and love it. Um, obviously I won't be able to get out much for a few weeks after the surgery, uh, but going to a vision board party on Saturday and I encourage all of you to take time. It's still early in 2022 to think about what you want this year to look like for you. Um, for the last couple of years, I've tried choosing a word that I want to, um, really walk in. And last year it was intentional. And this year I've been praying and asking God what the word should be. And uh, I had chosen the word focus. And right after I chose it, I was reading um, uh, something online and it talked about the importance of focus. And then when I mentioned it to my accountability partners, we meet every week. Uh, one of them said, girl, look at what's on my wall back here. And it was the word focus. And so it was just confirmation for me. But that is the word for me for this year. And if you have chosen a word for this year that you plan to live by, I would love to hear what it is. I know I'm not the only person who does it. So you can email me and share that information with me. Maybe it'll give me a little inspiration. Uh, for me, focus just means that I'm really going to be honing in on what I want to see for my life personally, professionally, with my business, with the nonprofit, um, with this new phase of life I'm in that's the parent of new, two adult children. What does that look like? And what do I want to see accomplished? Uh, and I'm excited to take you guys on that journey with me because y'all know I love to share. Um, and I believe that words have power. You know, I do words for a living. I often say words are what I do. And uh, we can speak life into what we want to see for ourselves in the words that we write and in the words that we speak. And so I'm encouraging all of you, whether you've chosen a word or not, to just speak and write positivity in what you want to see in your life. Um, and that can sometimes be hard to do. We can be our worst critics. And be on the lookout. I will share a few photos from the vision board party. Uh, maybe go live for a few minutes so you can say hey to my tribe. Uh, but this is a short one today, guys. I just wanted to um, just keep you up to date on what's going on with me as I prepare for this surgery. Again, I just ask that you keep me in prayer. Um, I'll do a video here or there so you guys know that I am on the mend. We will continue to soldier on under my shoes and still bring you great podcast episodes. But give me a little grace if I'm a day or two late putting them out uh, as I rest up. 
Um, but that's all the time we have for today, guys. If there's anything you want to hear us talk about on In My Shoes, you can hit me up at KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. Again, that is KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. And I'm looking forward to getting your word of the year as well. And until we have a chance to speak again, be blessed.
And I hope that your 2022 has started off well and that you are looking forward to all that this year holds. Um, Like I said, I'll keep you guys posted on how my surgery goes. But until we meet again, be blessed.